Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Thursday, June 11th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And every morning, we put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we told you. Like, I told you guys days ago, right? The 50 games was on one side. The 80-some-odd games was on the other. And these were going to be, as you like to say, kind of the flagposts of extremism for the negotiation. And I got to tell you, literally in the last, oh, I don't know 24 48 hours we're starting to see negotiations and the gap i think narrowing kev right like major league baseball said hey what about going 76 games but then 75 percent of the pro rating right that's another kind of pillar that's a little bit them inching closer. We heard that was probably going to get rejected. And then what do you know? It looks like Major League Baseball, the Players Association, have come back. Remember, they said 114 games, right, with full kind of prorated, the force majeure, as I like to call it, the legal term. They've come back and now said 89 games for a proposal. So, Kev, as you can see, the gap is narrowing. I believe, ultimately, we will have baseball because the range now, they're not as far apart anymore. The difference of about 13 games, and obviously that pro rating, the players want full. The owners are now going to three-quarters of the pro-rated salary if they go ahead and give more games up to 76. I think it's going to happen, Kev, in the next month or so. We might see games because now the gap is a little bit too narrow, right? And we know Manfred can come on in and just deliver the schedule. I, to borrow your term, I have increased confidence, Kev. I am I, – I don't know. I'm interested here. Uh, to me, the gap narrowing, sure, right? Because the players said – Let's do 114, right? And they've come down to 89. But they're still countering an offer of seven of 13 less games for 25% less money. Correct. Like that's still sizable to me. It is, and, but 76 and 75% is better than 50 games. Right. I mean, the thing is, yeah, I guess like I can't they've made progress on what was being completely universes apart. Like yes. one side saying 114, you pay us for all the games, and yes. the other side being like now they're galaxies yeah. apart or solar systems right, apart. Right, right. Maybe, maybe even maybe even planets apart. Maybe, maybe. Um, I just I think that it's going to be the thing that they need, I guess, is to get into a range where if Manfred says this is your middle point, mm-hmm. and then both sides are like, okay, fine, that is the middle point. I don't know what the middle point is even right now because. The middle point involves non-full pro-rated salaries. Right. The Major League still- Baseball version of the 76 right. games, right? And and we did the math, right? And now I'm going to go some back-of-the-envelope math here for you, Kev, right? If the 76 games is also three-quarters of the force majeure, the pro-rated salary, right? I'm going to make an assumption that that would be slightly less than 76 games at a full pro-rated, right? So – their proposal of 76 games, 75% of the prorated salaries equals, in terms of pure dollars and cents, like we were talking about before, Kevin, in essence, equals like 60 to 65 games of the full prorated. So I do believe, Kev, we are finding that range, you know, for the commissioner to then come on in and say, here's what it is. I know it's a haircut for both sides. I think we're at 89 full prorated for the, for the players and you know, the 76 with 75% is more like 65, 60 with a pro rated. That is the range. And I believe because it's planets and galaxies and not universes, I think we're in reach of exactly what you just said. Manfred being able to come on in and say, here's, I'm going to split the difference here. Yeah, I guess I just, it still seems to me as if you will not get the Players Association to agree to anything 
that does not involve the full prorated salaries. Right. So I maybe do, the next MLB proposal, right? Instead of 76 games, 75%, the next kind of concession they make as they move along, right, is 70 games, full prorated. And right. then, bang, we're there where Manfred can go, okay, you're at you're at 69, you guys are at 89, 78-game schedule, let's keep it moving. You know, something like that. That's what it's I like, see in my crystal ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, p- potentially, I-, I think it's difficult, right? Because the only counteroffer that's been made from that, if I'm not mistaken here, from the owners that involved full prorated was a counteroffer that gave 64 less games, right? Yeah. Which was such a was such a wide margin, yeah. it was really never entertained. So now we've gotten to this range here, and they've gone to 75. So if they get, and if I remember correctly, when we, you know, went through a lot of the math that, yeah. you know, 538 helped with, yeah. um, 65 was that middle spot, right? Right. You did incredible math there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The secondary oh, math portion. Of if we kept it at the full force majeure. Right. So yeah. if if that's the next counter, it's like, mm-hmm. listen, fuck, mm-hmm. full prorated at 65, the, are the players going to be like, okay. 82 at full pro like i just yeah. how much because time are we then, spent doing this right i and and you know and again kevin uh, like i think that this is natural in negotiations we're just seeing it all publicly <laughs> right like that's what a negotiation is you know there i just bought some- a call last weekend i right. went back and forth with the guy multiple times until we found the price right so i do still believe that the sausage being made is part of this however you make a good point um but what i think what i hope what i believe is that let's say it goes back and forth like you're talking about, right? And the next offer from MLB is maybe with the full prorated, but at, you know, uh, call it 68, you know, who knows, right? I do believe we are then getting close enough where the PR risk of not being able to come to the deal after a public back and forth of like three or four times, and if they are within a range of, call it 20, 25 games, at that point, Remember, the commissioner has the quote-unquote power after quote-unquote good faith negotiations. That's what we're seeing now, Kevin. I don't know how good the faith is, but we are seeing the negotiations back and forth. And I think to your point when you've been saying like, hey, time is ticking away. We need to grab July, right, for the attention of the sports fan. I believe these are, in essence, the good faith negotiations, and they're going to get to within, call it 20 games of each other. And I fully believe that will trigger the commissioner being like, all right, everyone, shut up. Here's what it is. Similar to what we saw out of Don Garber in MLS. Um, And I think we're inching closer to when the commissioner kind of deciding with his power becomes a lot more feasible because the range is narrower and because the clock is ticking. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that might still loom is this idea that the players want out if they don't feel safe going. And the owners want the ex- want, they want the exact opposite. They want yeah. no. You take the full wealth of responsibility for showing up. And I don't know how Manfred finds a middle ground on that. I do agree with you, right? That like this being out in the public eye allows us to scrutinize and pick at it more. But that's also by choice. Like it's not as if they're obligated to reveal these things. And it's been talked about that the two sides have been annoyed by the other that everything is made public immediately. Right. But it's being made public by guys like Nightingale and Passon in the same way that Woj is making it public in the NBA. Yeah, but someone's telling them. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're getting the information from somewhere. And it's just a question, just, you know, so so we, of course, then have that information. But is that all of the information that's out there? And and that might be a good thing, that maybe we don't have every single piece of information. I, I just... I agree with you it's narrowing because it has to be because, again, they were so far apart. I still would label them far apart. Sure. I mean, relatively speaking, there are, right? And, again, then there are 
other details, right, around testing, around health, around logistics. Remember, I've continued to say this is like a tripod of three legs. The money maybe is the most important part, but there's still all these other details as well. You know, the safety. I, I liken that to the idea of, you know, head coaches wearing masks in the NBA, right? There's still some of these details, but as we get closer and closer, we will continue to chronicle it. I'm just hoping that we have baseball. What's up, Kev? The one thing is, just because you reminded me there with that, like the, the like basketball still has to figure that out, right? Yeah. But we've talked about the timeline that the yeah. NBA has afforded themselves right. the to figure those yeah. things out. Major League Baseball is interesting in the fact that they want to be going, but I feel like they want the July 4th start date. I badly, agree. Right? I agree. So there I is do- an opportunity in July for a sport, whether it's MLS, yeah. baseball, Fight Island, the right, Women's right. Soccer League. There's opportunity now. So the question is, and this might be to their benefit, right? See, I'm not, I'm not saying all bad things about Major League Baseball. Maybe what we're hearing is the big picture disagreements, right? Yep. Such as number of games and money. But they are also still having conversations around the smaller details, right? And the, the health protocols that they can all agree are, are appropriate. The travel right. situation, the breaking up of the division. That's happening behind the curtain already. Right. And that's and why that's, they think weeks it can happen. Right. And that then obviously can boost up, say, a confidence meter if that were to be true. Because now, even though they are negotiating over the most important thing, if it's the only thing left, they're in a good spot. Whereas if they say, okay, cool, we've agreed on money and games. Now we got to figure this stuff yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> now who feels safe? Oh, right. no one? Great. Maybe, maybe, and I. Again, we don't know. Maybe baseball decided to tackle the big stuff last or first, and maybe basketball decided to do it in a different order, right? Or maybe different elements were more public, you know? So I think, right, you know, that's why I always said, Kev, you know, all of these things have to be worked out before we actually are there, and all of these things have to be worked out to the point where pen is on paper until we are actually there. So we'll continue to look at it. I did want to make a point, though. Um, When we come back, Kev, Angel Hernandez may not be one of the umpires. I don't know if you saw this. Angel Hernandez has been kind of, you know, um, let's put it this way. He's the name of an umpire that a lot of people know. And with refs and umpires, that's usually not a good thing. I don't know if you saw this, Kev, all right? But, you know, MLB is now claiming that Angel Hernandez was eavesdropping on a Major League Baseball investigation, okay? The idea that there was some issue, they had to interview all the umpires and they interviewed him, then he stays on the call when they interview the next umpire. Joe Torre is pissed. There's like a litany of other things around Angel Hernandez. I know him as a kind of D-bag umpire myself. There's things like literally when he goes under the hood for the instant replay, if they change his call, he doesn't like it or he refuses to implement it. I think this is pretty crazy. Did you already know about Angel Hernandez as one of these umpires or is this something new for you? We only got a couple seconds. We could talk about it more after the break. I, I heard his name, I like, and I knew who he was. When you told me that he was getting calls overturned, and he's like, that makes me look weak. I'm not overturning it. <laughs> hey, dude, for sure get fired. You're terrible. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we'll talk about it more on the other side of the break. And then we dive in golf, another sport that could capture the attention. We got a guy, Cam Stewart, later this SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. We're talking about, you know, this Angel Hernandez investigation. It came out of the athletic. MLB is investigating. Tory is not pleased, okay? I think, you know, the idea of how he reacts to instant replay is one thing. But he was eavesdropping on an investigation and got caught. You know what I mean? So it's kind of weird to me. You know, in essence, Kev, if I learned the name of an umpire, of a ref, of an official, and it's not because it's Ed Hockley in the gun show or Dick Bavetta kissing Charles Barkley. It's a problem. You know what I mean? And sometimes I think some of these umpires, Joe West comes to mind, C.B. Buckner comes to mind. They think they're part of the show. 
mm. you know, and they're not. Angel Hernandez even just has like, you know, the dramatic strike three call. He'll get up in a player's face when a player's walking away. And, you know, I think it's best that uh, umpires and refs are, uh, you know, seen but not heard. Yeah, you're not supposed to be a part of the show. Like, keep it to the side, man. Like, I don't I don't know why people do that. The idea, though, like, it's it sounds, it's kind of funny. But it's also really not funny. The idea that, like, yeah, it's how the game. they were, ta- like, overturning calls that he got wrong and was outwardly. It was like, nah, 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 nah. I believe I mean, I'm right. <laughs> no, because, like, the thing is, like, we're a couple bets away from that becoming the biggest story in the sports world, right? Yeah. Like, that's right. what... So well, Donahue, right, in basketball, and now as more and more, I think you're absolutely right, and the integrity of the game, right, is so, I think, even more important now that there's more and more and more sports investment, and it's such a growing industry, right? So for people to believe that they're going to put their money on something and have it be... Um, you know, uh, I want to say right, you know, and have it be what they believe is happening is real. Yeah, that's why I think um, these sports have to care about the officiating, the integrity. That's why even things like a random, you know, three seconds in a college game in a mid-major conference, you know, is important, right? So as sports investing becomes bigger and bigger, I think there's even more and more of a spotlight on this. Yeah, and I just, to me, this doesn't really, though, seem like a, Oh, should we find him? No, just fire him. He's bad at his job. Like, this doesn't yeah. seem to be, like, that hard. Now, again, there's probably more details there. Sure. Maybe there's, like, a you know, an umpire's union that'll sure. go to bat for him. Yeah. But if you're, like, an umpire's union, like, why would you ever even defend this guy? Like, it's, right. you know, other side, other than the fact that I guess you're probably obligated to as the umpire's union. But, like, exactly. what a, I mean, what a disaster. Yeah. I can't even give you, like, an analogy that I think would <laughs> really, like, land this home. It, it, it either hits for you right away or you don't get it. Yeah, so let me ask you this. You know, we have heard, and they've tried it out in the minor leagues, I believe, in the Atlantic League, the idea about robot umpires, okay? Yeah. They've, they've tried things out in the independent league, right? They tried out the idea, like we saw in the World Baseball Classic, putting a man on second base in extra innings, I think after like the 11th inning, you know, so that it doesn't go far. And they're tinkering. One of the things they tinkered with was robot or electronic strike zone, right? And there was still a physical umpire there, but he was getting buzzed one way or the other if it was a ball or a strike. And I remember one game in the independent league, the pitcher didn't even know it was happening, okay? Because the umpire was still there. Do you think, you know, Technology is in so many other sports, right? There is even replay on some level in baseball. But I think about, like, the electronic eye in tennis, even, you know, in these sports where officiating does happen electronically. Do you think we're, you know, in the next few years going to see this in Major League Baseball? I think it's possible. I I think there's a good argument for it. It, The strike zone is maybe the most important thing in the sport. Yeah. And the idea that it is like subjective from umpire to umpire is one thing. The idea that it is subjective from pitch to pitch is I think a tough thing Mm -hmm. to justify. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's a matter of perfecting though, the technology. Now I can't sit here and tell you that every single time I watch a baseball game, I am trying to figure out the accuracy of you know, because they have the strike zones up now, right? That's what I was going to say, Kevin, you know. And and to be quite honest, I credit video games. I credit video games for this, okay? The first time I ever saw a kind of strike zone like that with a heat map on it, right, was playing MVP baseball, okay? And being like, oh, I can get this guy up and in, you know, because it's blue, it's a cold spot. Um, but I believe the public now has become so accustomed to seeing that little strike zone superimposed in the same way that the public is accustomed to seeing a first down marker in football. You know, different views yeah, now. Even in, even in basketball, if you note, every now and then they're going to different camera angles, and it's the NBA 2K camera angle, right? And so I think video games and some of the technology and overlays that have happened because of video games are now coming, and for the fan, if I can see it, you can see it, we can see it live that that pitch was two inches outside and it's getting called a strike. It becomes a liability for the umpires getting exposed. Remember, they had the pitch tracks and other kind of charting systems to see uh, kind of 
how good umpires were at it. So I do believe the technology is there. The question is, for me at least, you know, I get it safe out on the bases, right? Mm -hmm. But the question for me is, will the old guard of the nostalgic, waxing, poetic sport that is baseball with the human error, will it ever go to the strike zone? You know, the problem with baseball is they want to advance, but all like in all the wrong ways. Like they're trying to fix their game, but like they don't, they think, oh, someone has to come in and pitch, you know, three straight batters. That's not that's not what we're here for. Right. Like that's that's not the difference maker. They're addressing the pace of play, but just not in the right way. I do think like there's something to be like we here in the United States, the NFL is king, right? Sure. And one of the easiest reasons is because there are sixteen regular season games, which means every single one of them is an event. Major League Baseball slaps a two on the back of that number. <laughs> I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And again, I'm not I'm not telling you that they need to cut their games in half. I think it would benefit them. They're not gonna, it is what it is. But I will tell you this, if they do get the season off the right. ground. It's all exciting and amazing. It's gonna feel it's gonna feel a lot more exciting. Yeah. It's gonna feel a lot more exciting. No, I think you're right, you know, and remember, you know, you're a huge basketball guy, Kev. There's been talks about this in the NBA as well, right? Remember the strike season in 99 when it was 50 games and it felt like a sprint? Every game became more meaningful in essence, right? We're talking about college basketball versus college football. In college football, every single game has critical importance to the championship. You lose one, you're almost out. In basketball, it's a longer season and, you know, you're cheering, we're number 68 to make it in, right? So obviously, as we condense the intensity and the importance of each game, you know, ratchets up. Obviously, that's why those 16 football Sundays are so huge. You know, one other news and note, though, from Major League Baseball that I did want to pass along, Marcel Ozuna, outfielder, um, he has been apparently the victim of uh, domestic violence. He has big-time facial scratches and injuries. Apparently, um, his partner, they had a domestic dispute, and um, he's the one that got lacerated and cut up. Um, it doesn't look like it's a... You know, obviously he'll be able to play, but, you know, as we are potentially getting back to, um, you know, to baseball, these ideas of injuries are things we're going to have to start looking at. His wife allegedly hit him with a soap dish, Kev. Oh, geez. I guess um, maybe you could say that Marcel Ozuna is more ready to get back uh into baseball than yeah, than right. others. Um, He's better to get back with his compadres, maybe. Yeah. I understand. Um, and, you know, to me, also, the Braves, we talked about the variants. The Braves are one of those teams, in my opinion, that can really take advantage of this season, right? Um, I mentioned the Braves, uh, the Angels as a team previously this week because of, you know, the talent they have, the streakiness they have. I think the Braves fit that same kind of mold. Think about it, Kev. You know, they got the raw talent right, of the Acuna, the Albies, the Freeman, those kind of guys, which we think rises to the top. They also, Kev, have not one but two young stud pitchers, right, who didn't really have a full-on Immings limit, but with a condensed season, I bet Soroka and Freed can empty the tank in ways that they didn't last year that might help them. What do you say? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, it stood out to me yesterday, certainly when we looked through the simulations right. that the Braves, I believe, won the World Series the second most times after the Dodgers. Something like that, which, yeah. Which even in that, right, is pretty impressive, right? Because you'd have to think that they're not even getting to the World Series as frequently as American League teams because yeah. the Dodgers were there all of the time. Right. So that kind of speaks to the team that they're going to be putting out there. The NL East is supposed to be one of, if not the best divisions in baseball. Now, mm. obviously we're not sure what the divisions are going to look like. I but... know, right? The Braves, are they in the East? Are they in the Central? It's right. another weird detail we heard at this point a month ago with no follow-up. I think even longer than I might. I it think might it might have been like April. It felt like it was April. It might be at this um, point, you're right. It's going to be really interesting to see and that's kind of something that I'm trying to remain optimistic on is that, you know, when baseball agrees to the big picture stuff, either the other stuff has already been agreed upon or it falls into place a little bit easier, right? Because we mentioned, you know, Rob Manfred has the ability to announce a schedule. Right. Okay, what's the schedule, Rob? Like, <laughs> is, is there a situation where you talk, you, like, can they just say, hey, Braves, by the way, you play the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Reds now? And it's like, what? No, we don't. We so? 
It would be the same way as saying there's now a DH in the National League. Well, that was agreed upon, though, was it not? Ah, you know, the devil in the All right. This was all the Nightingale plan. Oh. Nothing has been put to – that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. And has not been put to Commissioner Bob on Knight, any yeah. of this. You know, but you mentioned the Atlanta Braves. They are, by the way, just getting back onto the field real quick. They are the second choice, Kev, in the National League. The Dodgers, you're right, are big-time favorites, right, at plus 155 to win the pennant. The Braves are the second choice at plus 650, followed by the Nats, followed by the Mets. Um uh, intriguing, like you said, That's three the East. NL East yeah. teams, right, are in the top four. Then you have the Cardinals, then the Phillies, the fourth NL East team. So four NL East teams out of the top six choices in the National League. That's interesting to me. That means to me, if you get the right NL East team, you get value in that division. Or if you think, you know, a team from the Central can really do it, they're going to get good odds. You got the Cards at 11 to 1, the Cubs at 14, Reds at 16, Brewers at 18 to 1. Um, would you just lean with the favorite Dodgers here? Because I know we talked about the American League a little bit. In the American League, you got the Yankees and the Astros, then a big gap. Uh-huh. Dodgers kind of stand alone in the NL. I think what would be really interesting is because sometimes they offer these kind of bets. Um, I know for March Madness, which mm-hmm. conference will win the, yes. the whole tournament. If they have a what division will represent the National League, despite the Dodgers being the Dodgers, you'd have to think that at least would be favored. And I'd have to put the horses in the race instead of one or two. Yeah, right. I think I think that that'd be a really interesting prop bet that potentially FanDuel could look into. And the one thing is, I'm confident that when these things are given to us, fans will be like, here's the world. They're going to give us all of the bets. Because they're looking to get us back in the store as well. And we're, you know, we're, we're waiting for them to open up. Absolutely. That's why they changed their win totals to win percentages yep. so that they can still continue to take on action regardless of if the answer becomes 76, 82, 114, or 65, right? So they're ahead of the game there. When we come back, we're going to see if you will be taken out to the ball game. It's the early line. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content. Kevin Walsh and I, we've been talking about everything from how Major League Baseball will come back. You know, we're going to talk with our guy Cam Stewart on golf, which is back today. We're very excited about that. We'll help you win a little bit of extra cash. You know, and we've been talking about it, Kev, right? Um, This golf tournament that kicks off this weekend is in the state of Texas, the Colonial, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The Charles Schwab event. That's in Texas. About two weeks ago, the governor of Texas said, listen, we may be in a place where we can have fans at 25 percent capacity. Right. As as stores are now opening, every place in the country is in at least phase one, including our fair city, which was the last to go there starting this week. We talked earlier in the week that the governor of New Jersey is saying that he is now hopeful that by the time the NFL happens, Jets and Giants games may be able to have fans. And I'm intrigued because, Kev, when, when the Texas governor said that, then there was like the NASCAR Formula One, the, the head of the racetrack was like, nah, I don't know, right? And, and you and I are here in New York where it may be different. But I wonder, like, even if you're allowed to go, would mm-hmm. people show up? And I find it interesting, you know, uh, Darren Ravel put out yesterday a tweet. Um, it came from, I believe, the New York Times polling a lot of, like, doctors about if they would go to different things, what they would do. And these are doctors, right? And they broke it up at things that they would do this summer, mm. things that they would not do until probably another horizon. They wouldn't do probably for another three to 12 months, right? After the summer into next year. Then, or would it, they wouldn't do it again for a year from now and some things that they would like do never again. And you know, some of the things that the uh, majority of people said they would be comfortable doing again this summer, and you see the graphic on the screen is like being in a mall or going to see a doctor, right? Or even mm-hmm. going on a little overnight staycation, right? Uh, driving away, and I may do that myself. You know, I was supposed to have a honeymoon this summer, for goodness sakes, uh, right? And then you see like things that maybe later in the year 
people would be more comfortable doing. And that's things like going to school or working in an office or, you know, something that's close to you and I, maybe potentially riding the subway mm. and on and on it goes, you know, going to a gym. What I found striking was this last category about it wouldn't take, it would take more than a year for people to feel comfortable. You know, they have things like um, other large events like going to church or a wedding. And Kevin, what finished dead last with like the most pe uh, people needing to take over a year to feel comfortable mm -hmm. is attending a sporting event. 64% of people said it would be a year or more until they felt comfortable attending a sporting event. 32% yeah. said it would take three to 12 months. So you add those up, that is 96% of people saying it'll be at least three months from now until they personally feel comfortable attending a sporting event. Now, I know you've been talking about the AEW pay-per-view. We're talking about, you know, the NFL, which would be three months down the road. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about, you know, in Texas or another, uh, you know, Fight Island? Are people going to show, Kev? Do these numbers resonate with you? Um, and, and, and what do you think this means for the long-term impact of, say, the revenue, the salary cap, and things like that? So I've actually, I mean, from the beginning, I've been wondering, right? Like when things are opened up, do we expect people to come in droves right. or are people going to remain timid? Now, when I look at that video, Dan, that we showed the other week of oh, Las Vegas, true. yeah, I mean, people were out in droves. And yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. Those are doctors, right? One, this doctors police. are probably going to be the, probably yeah. the, the, the most cautious group, but also... Like that three percent that said they'd go this summer, those right. are diehard sports fans, right? Sure. They just have to be. <laughs> yeah, they sure. have to be. So that sixty-four percent, perhaps maybe not as deeply invested in sports. I think the interesting thing will be basically if they say, "Okay, listen, we are fifty percent for this season," which means our. Re I'll tell you this, Dane. Fifty percent capacity at stadiums, you mean? I think this, this, yeah. uh, this might be maybe a touch optimistic, but I'll Talk see what me. you say. I think if every NFL team is at 50% for the entirety of this season, yeah. they will all sell out each and every game. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, in the Meadowlands, or I meant, excuse me, at MetLife, if capacity is 60,000, let's say, and they're saying that we'll sell 30,000 tickets, I... Are you comfortable being in some place where 30,000 people are? The thing is... I and I understand right now there's protests in this country, yeah. left and right and gathering. I understand that, and people are making that choice. But that's a choice to do something that, you know, they're driven about, they're passionate about, to make a stand. This is doing that not for uh, what I will call a greater purpose or a greater point, but for entertainment. So I don't think I'd go tomorrow. Okay. In three Would you be months, here the, the summer, the three to twelve. You'd be in the three to twelve months. That thirty right. percent. Yeah, I think I think those three months is key. We're talking September, right? It, it to me, I think is is kind of a key time because I just don't know where we're going to be in September. I hear you, like, man. We're on a trajectory where where things are getting better. And I'll say this, right? And and you know this. Are there thirty thousand people there? Yes. Well, there's thirty thousand people in a space that typically occupies. 60,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it should be spread out pretty significantly. I'll tell you this. It's funny enough. I, You know, I, as a bigger guy, you know, I go to game, like, say, okay. with my brother, right? Well, bigger <laughs> guys, out. right? I hear you. Nothing, and I mean nothing, Dane, is better than when the people next to you just didn't show up, right? <laughs> or maybe the seats <laughs> didn't sell. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. you're kidding me. Now, we're, we're, you know, we're spread out. It's a, it's a good time. So honestly, I'm a little bit more enticed to show up now if you're promising me no one's going to be sitting right. next to me. Yeah. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting how that would even look on TV. Because again, it's not a, okay, we won't open the top section. It's no. They're going to spread you out. Right. Run us out. It's going to be interesting how that looks, I would say. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I'm intrigued. Let me get your thought on this. And, you know, for those of you who are listening and watching right now, Kevin and I, as it says there on the bottom, we are both here in New York. You know, New York went into phase one of the reopening just this week. You know, and, and, and the biggest thing, right, for New York City is really commuting. 
Kevin, you know, like another million people are going to work, traffic on the highways. But really, I think it's about public transportation, the bus and the subway. Honest question, Kevin, have you been on the subway since March? No, I actually had to go into um, an, another another place of work, actually, for yeah. like two or three extra days kind of post shutdown. And I, I drove in, parked and walked like 40 some odd minutes. Yeah, I was not so check this that. out for sports for sports. Mm -hmm. 64%, right? Almost two thirds says it'll be a year. I'm intrigued by the subway number, Kev. You know, uh, the subway number 39% say it'll take a year. A bigger chunk say it'll take three to 12 months before them to go back on the subway. 20%, one in five say they'll do it now this summer. What's different for you, Kevin, about being in an arena to watch a game and being on the subway to get to work? I want to be in the arena. I never want to be on the subway. I don't like being on the subway. I like being in the arena and cheering on what's in front of me. I mean, that's the And I also, again, it's weird, but like the 15 people in the subway is way more condensed than 30,000 people in a in an arena like that. Is it not? I think so, but then again, I ain't a doctor. I don't even no. play one I'll on tell you TV. This. I'll tell you this. It's very thing. interesting, though, this the idea. The line yeah. to get in, the line to get in at these games is going to be forever. Let me tell because you they're going to have to go so slow and distant, right. everybody. And that's a great point. And the thing that I'm reminded of immediately, I went to game four of the 2001 World Series with the Yankees and the Diamondbacks, right after 9-11. It was the game that George Bush was throwing out the first pitch, okay? Oh, wow. I was there before the game. I didn't get into the building until the third inning because of that, the precautions, the line, and the, you know, at this was the security with the metal detectors and all that after 9-11. Yeah. But what you're talking about is kind of just the process that it'll take with our socially distant time and being clean and disinfected and wearing a mask and, tell, you know, whatever it is. You're right. It's going to be very, very interesting. You know, hit us up on Twitter, at Spit and Speeds. Kevin, of course, um, you know, would you go? Would you go right now in a couple months? Not until next year. I'm very interested to see. But, you know, one thing that might make it easier, what some of the doctors are saying is outdoors is a lot better. And we've got an island to discuss, Kev, because Dana White has been talking about Fight Island. And we found out it's real, right? It's in the UAE out there with the princes of Dubai. And not only is it real, but it looks like we've got a card on the horizon. We sure do, man. Um, you know, this is the July 11th card, which is the fight week card. And it's always supposed to deliver. Um, and they've given us, they've given us a lot to sink our teeth into, man. Uh, your main event, Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns, mm. which is going to be one of the most interesting fights for people to break down. I'm sure we're going to bring, um, yeah. Jay back yeah, when sure. I, I can't wait to hear his breakdown for that. Those guys, just for people that don't know, they train out of the exact same gym. They are close friends, and they use a lot of the same coaches. Mm -hmm. And it is going to be difficult to figure out who uses who to set that fight up. That's really, really Familiarity interesting. Familiarity will be very interesting. We're then I know what you're doing before you do it. Go ahead. Sorry, Kevin. Right. No, sure, no, sure. It's it's really, really interesting. Uh, we've then got Max Holloway versus Volkanovski 2. Mm. Uh, Volkanovski beat Max Holloway, who's been the king of the 45-pound division for a while. Um, and Volkanovski, right, and Henry Cejudo looking to Cejudo dance said he'd come back with for him. Right. So, Volkanovski is obviously busy, at least for the time being. Uh, and then you've also got Petr Jan versus Jose Aldo for the vacant title at 135. Uh, and so we know there's some contenders to challenge whoever absolutely. comes out of that one. Let me ask you this, though. Do we know, you know, when I've seen UFC events like in Brazil, for example, there's open air stadiums. Do we know, is this going to be in an arena like we've seen in Vegas and Jacksonville or open air? Because if it's open air, maybe you can have some fans. And I've seen them do that in outdoor settings before. You know, the fight game can take place outside. I've seen rings and octagons outside. Yeah, you, you kind of can see, and I don't know if these photos that you're seeing right now are just posters. Um, right. I know one of them, obviously, it's just a beach. But, like, the other one looks like it could be the inside. I'd have to think that it, it is scorching hot in Abu Dhabi. And yeah. it's almost dangerous to keep it, the air coming from, you probably need to keep the air on and try and keep okay. it enclosed a little bit. That's, that's an assumption. What I also thought was interesting 
is they only announced fights in Fight Island for uh, July. There's an they got, they already announced in August. Uh, we're actually going to get Daniel Cormier versus Steve Miocic for the heavyweight title August 15th, but we didn't get a location for that mm. fight. So it'll be interesting to see how long they're going to keep this stay over there uh, in Fight Island. But people are interested in it for sure. And that UFC 251 card, Dane, is a beast. All right. We'll definitely be there to handicap it for sure. When we come back, here's what we're going to do. There's there's live sports happening today. All right. You can get action today here in America. It's the Charles Schwab Classic. And we've got our guy Cam Stewart joining the fun He's going to tell us how to make some money off of this. Stay right there. It's the early line. We bring in our guy, Cam Stewart, to talk some PGA when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. And Kev, as I always say, we put the fun in functional sports content, and I am guaranteeing that we will have some fun because my guy Cam Stewart joins the show. We're going to talk a little PGA golf and Cam, I don't know, but even in my own life here in New York during the pandemic, golf has proven to be an incredible socially distant activity, especially the places I'm hitting my drives. No one's within <laughs> six feet of me. How you oh, doing, brother, man? I'm doing great. Yo, no, Dane, I, I, like, I'm, I got pretty good short game, but I'm a chop too. I remember when I went out with my buddy He's like, oh, here's Stewart, three fairways over. I almost killed, <laughs> killed seniors in the cart, but they had the social distancing glass that they have on those carts now. So it really yeah. would have gone right through somebody's face. But I will say this, golf's great. Like all my buddy, you know, my buddy Visine Vince and all my friends who just play uh, basketball and NFL pools and, and other stuff. He calls me up, hey, Cam, we're in a $200 cash a man golf pool. I'm like, dude, you don't even watch golf. He's like, I'm Jones in the bet. I'm joking the bet. So all these guys that like kind of like are social golf fans are right into it now. And guys, I'll tell you, it's going to be a really interesting tournament. What have these guys done during COVID-19? Some probably spent some time, didn't pick up a club. Guys who were single, maybe they worked on their game. Guys who are underachieving, probably smashing balls all the time. Like guys like Jordan Spieth and Kevin Kisner. Can I get back to world-class status? So there's a lot of things going on in this tournament. And I got to be honest with you, we got to kind of throw darts a little bit because we don't know what these guys are doing for the last few months. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. You know, and first of all, I feel comfortable maybe with the six iron and in about 140, 50 yards. But after that, I'm a baseball player. So you know which way it goes. All right, Cam. But in any event... I did want to ask you on that because as we see other sports or other players return to action, right, there's been two schools of thought. One is that the idea of the cream rises to the top, right? We're seeing favorites come on in and like Bundesliga even went on the road, right? But there's also a line of thinking that variance is going to reign supreme here. we got no idea when people come back. You know, I had George Kurtz on, and he's taken plus money in a ton of those NHL series. We've seen Underdog come in in, like, three straight UFC cards, right? So which way would you lean here with golf coming back? Like, I'm going to go take a shot on plus money and maybe some longer odds, or... Are the true, tried and true elite golfers ones you're going to bank on, you know, after this rest, the Rory and the like? I got a mixed bag, Dane, and I'll tell you guys something about Colonial. It's not a bomber's paradise. Hmm. What, what does that mean? That means everybody's in play. Those mm-hmm. guys who are like 250th on tour in driving distance, if they got a nice iron play. So I looked for guys and broke down the statistics because I knew I was doing the show with you, Fantasy Maven. And a lot of the time, <laughs> I mix my you know uh, stats with field picks, but I did a little more research too. And the guy that fits all categories, and I've actually I wasn't sure if I was going to put him in my six pack is Webb Simpson. Mm. Webb Simpson, this guy is first in par four scoring in the PGA Tour, and he's also very very good solid driving the ball too. So he hits fairways. He's, he's a birdie machine, and that's what you have to do at Colonial. You keep the ball in play. You work on your irons, kind of like our game, Dane, six irons and such. Let's <laughs> just do it. And if you're rolling the rock and you get hot, I'm actually going to fade some of the big-time players. I'll tell you this. Hmm. 
Dustin Johnson, to me, in matchup bets is a guy that I want to stay away from. I, I, you know, personally, hey, we all like Paulina Gretzky, and good for him. He's partying, having a great life. I wish I was on a yacht, you know, having sex <laughs> yeah. with her and, and doing all those lovely things. But you know what? <laughs> we live here in the suburbs. But this guy, I'm telling you, when he was on that TV uh, thing with Wolf I and Mac the suburbs. Yeah. I've been sheltering and placing in the park. You see me on my damn fire escape, you know, wearing gloves to push elevator buttons and get the mail. I wish... I was in your suburbs, Cam. Yeah, no, I I like your wall pattern though. Very, very slick. You you would I love you guys are like both the best of both worlds. Urban style and then Walsh's wood. I love it all. I love the wood. The wood makes it good. What a basement. But I will say he checks off all the boxes, guys. So if you're looking for a favorite, Webb Simpson's a guy. He hits the ball straight. He's great with his irons. His putting, once he gets hot, he's very, very lethal. So, you know, I was looking at the odds on FanDuel and at 25 to 1. With Webb mm -hmm. Simpson, I think that's a guy that you might have to put in your portfolio, fellas. Let me ask you, Cam, about Brooks Kepka because I think I've made one golf bet in my entire life, and it was uh, a uh, a match bet with Kepka and Tiger Woods that was pretty much mispriced because people like to overrate Tiger a little bit. So yeah. when I saw Kepka as just not the favorite, because my more recent memory of him was just being by far and away the best golfer in the world. And I, I looked it up. He's like ranked third right now. I believe he has like the fifth best odds over at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the whole thing. But it seems like he's coming back from injury. What do you think about Brooks Kepka uh, heading into this tournament? It's tough, Kev. He's one of those guys that I kind of want to take and I kind of don't want to take. I wavered mm -hmm. on him. And think about Kepka is he formulates his games for majors. He's one of those guys that like the harder the mm -hmm. course, the better he plays. I'm not going to say Colonial's not hard, but it's also not his type of track, right? He, he's also coming off a lot of different injuries, and I think he's worried more about getting healthy. Those are those are guys I'm kind of looking to go against in plus matchup bets. And you look at, you know, Rory McIlroy, he could eat this course up. If he's, if he's hitting the driver straight, he's going in with wedges. And I don't care if his wedge game isn't that great. It doesn't matter. After a while, you're going to be inside 8 to 10 feet all the time, and you're going to start nailing birdies. It's scary. He's 8 to 1 on FanDuel, but... I'm going in a different direction. I'm looking more, I'm starting around the mid-20s, mm -hmm. finding some guys around the 40s and a couple and a couple guys uh, that I like in the 65, 70 mm. range. And I'll sprinkle on some bombs at 150, you know, $5 plays, try to clip something and get rich. You have to do that. I'm telling you guys, in this type of tournament, if you like to take risks, exactly what Kurt said, uh, a favorite could win. But this is the type of tournament we don't know which guys were at right. the range. We don't know what guys were in the simulator 24-7, 365. Hell, some guys might have not even picked up a club. They might just be hanging with their wife and kids. Hey, honey, it's nice to see you a while. You know, usually you're on tour and our relationship is struggling, but now <laughs> we're back. You know what? COVID-19 ruined relationships, but it probably brought a lot of people back together if they originally loved each other and spent time with each other. That's kind of the way I look at it. I know it's interesting, guys. And, uh, I, I find it very, very hard to predict this tournament because I don't know. We haven't seen these guys, but I do watch right. Golf Channel and I listen to interviews and some players have really come out hard. Like Kevin Kisner, this mm. guy wants, like, he's pissed where he's dropped in the world rankings. Uh, Jordan Spieth, I'm not taking him, but he's like, I got to get back together. He's almost right. embarrassed hanging out with the get-along gang. You know, Ricky <laughs> Fowler and Justin right. Thomas. These guys are, like, more successful and Spieth has fallen off the face of the earth. Used to be one of the best players in the world, winning the Masters, right? He's lost his game, so... I find it very, very uh, tough. But I'll tell you one thing, guys, quickly. Sunjay M is a lot like our friend Gabriel Morenci. He moves from hotel to hotel to hotel, <laughs> and he works, and he works, and he works. This guy doesn't have – if he's got a girlfriend, I don't know her. If he does anything but golf, I've never seen it. Maybe he plays some video <laughs> games. Right. But all I know is he sleeps and he picks up golf clubs. And right now, at 33-1, to 1, he is in – before COVID-19, he was in contention every single week. Sunjay M, ladies and gentlemen – Put them on your card. Absolutely, Cam. I like that you're fishing in the pond of around 30 to 40 to 1. Yes. I find two guys that I love all the time in that range in Xander Shoffley and Tony Finau. But I want to ask you... What's I like that? I like Shoffley a lot. All right, cool. Good to know. I want to ask you a slightly different question. Kevin and I have been talking about, um, you know... Women's soccer coming back quick, MLS coming back quick. The idea that there is an opportunity for sports in like the month of July, really to grab the attention span of the starved, crazed out sports fan. I mean, the, the National Football League draft did big numbers. People are waking up to watch KBO baseball, right? Yep. Do you think golf 
has an opportunity, you know, starting this week, of having more eyes to the set, of having more interest? And how could they, you know, in essence, strike when the iron is hot? Is there anything they can do, Cam, you know, like technology-wise, right? Miking up the players, giving me more things like the first downline or the shot tracker or something like that, that you think could bring in the casual fan? Because they've got an opportunity here. Dane, I'll tell you something. And you know about fantasy. Golf is already one of the fastest growing fantasy. Have you like I can't believe the fantasy sites in golf. It used to be just like a few groups of guys we knew, and we follow now. Everybody and their mothers got like a fantasy right. DFS site. It's more That's than just Pat Mayo. Yeah, yeah, my boy Pat Mayo. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Pat, give me a free couple contest entries. Yeah, he texted me the other night, actually. He told me he likes some of my picks. And I will say this: some players on the mic, it'll be cool, but you got to be very careful, golf. Some guys are pretty boring. But I will say this: with all the sports gone. You know, you see a lot of the old guys like Disco Dan and our friends at FanDuel in the Meadowlands, you know, they come in to play their golf picks. I think a lot of younger guys will get into golf betting because you're going to see people who don't like NASCAR are betting NASCAR because it's on TV. And I'll tell you something with the cautions and all that. I find it very, I hate to say it, like I like it, but sometimes it's very uneventful. In a golf Cam, tournament, people are flocking to the ponies, which I know you and I oh, love. Oh, I love ponies. So I, that's, so like, that's adrenaline personified. <laughs> but Two minutes of flocking to ponies, I go bonkers. About a racing app, you know, to follow yes. it. They're not, yes. They don't hang. They don't hang Churchill Downs and some other tracks that I like. But I digress. But you know yeah. what I'm saying? People, people are ready to bet anything, and here comes golf, ready to be bet on. That's the thing. I think the younger generation, you get guys like Walsh and his buddies. All of a sudden, hey man, I can win a couple thousand dollars if my guy comes in at 66 to one. That's the thing about golf. It's a four-day patience game uh, for your betting on the tournament winner. But when you cash, you cash large. It's kind of like hitting a pick four in horse racing. You're like, oh my mm-hmm. god, I can't believe it. I just won 3,900. That's ga- that's life changing. I could pay my bills and take my woman out for a real dinner at a, like a lobster and steak place instead of ramen noodles. So these are things that I look for in golf. I think more people will bet it. And the great thing about the sport, Dane, as you know, and Kev, fantasy guys, you could do it every day. Daily matchup bets, mm-hmm. this and that. It is the perfect sport that is fi- situated for fantasy. That's why it's growing. And now people, when they understand about betting, I'm telling you. NASCAR's done it, people will get into golf big time. Like, it's going to be one of those sports where I think a lot more, especially younger players, are going to be betting on the sport. Ken, let me ask you, you gave us a lot of guys probably that you would look towards the outright bets. How often are you messing around with finishing position? FanDuel offers top 5, 10, 20, and 40. Do you find yourself getting involved in that stuff at all? Damn right I do, Kevin. You know what you got to do? You got to do it all the time because think about it. Only one guy wins the golf tournament. So Mm -hmm. some books have top fives and top sixes, other top tens. So basically, say I'm using a unit out of $100, I'll put 20.2 on the winner, uh, 0.25 and 0.75 on the top five and ten. I sprinkle out my units that way. Only one guy wins. And you know what? You're getting good numbers for guys in the top five, two, and top ten. So if you like a guy over like 40 to one, I would Mm -hmm. suggest sprinkling uh, on the top ten as well. It's a really good way. So think about the unit, split it up, and at the end of the day, hey, you know, there's a lot more. You'll you'll clip a lot more top tens because, as I said before, one guy wins. So you want to have a diverse portfolio, very vast. Thanks a lot, Cam. You know, so now after this, I'm going over to the FanDuel Sportsbook. <laughs> Tell me if you approve of this. I'm gonna bet Webb Simpson, Sunjay in. And Xander Shoffley all in the top 10. And I get all of them in essence. You know, Webb is at plus 250. But him and Shoffley, I get at like plus 320, plus 340 to finish in the top 10. If I'm lucky, all three of them come in. Can you sign off on that? Oh, I'm signing off on it big time. Guys, I like to win Simpson, DeChambeau, Morikawa, M. Kisner, and I love a juicy hamburger, Daniel Berger at 65 to 1. Have a good one, fellas. Love you guys. Love, love it. it. Thanks Cam. a lot, Cam. You did a lot of fun. As always, we put the fun and functional sports content. Can we have you back here on the early line to talk golf down the road? Because we're back, baby. Yes, we can. I better keep uh, everything uh, in one room, Dane. Don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> the pre meeting was an interesting <laughs> one. Until now, but you're great. <laughs> And it's been a lot of fun to have you on. That'll be our number one of the early line. When we come back, we look at the National Football League and we shine a light on those damn New England Patriots. Are they really going to go with Jared Stidham? We'll talk about it next in Arrow 2. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 